You see like glamour poor ledge shots, especially like Tommy Caldwell and Kevin on the Dawn Wall where they each had like their own portal ledge. You know, I was in this like cramped portal ledge with my partner, just like trying to put my like shirt on and there's all these straps like hanging in my face and I'm like so cramped and I'm like, this is not the glamorous big wall portal ledge life that people think exists. Hey y'all, I'm Ryan Devlin and welcome to the Struggle Climbing Show's Pro Clinic on Big Wall Tactics with one of the sport's rising stars, the Indiana Jones of vertical terrain, Jordan Cannon. Y'all, Jordan joined the pod in season one to chat through his struggles and breakthroughs in training, nutrition, tactics, and mental game as we like to do. And today he is back to zero in on an area of particular specialty for him, big wall and multi-pitch tactics. Now here's a guy who's honed his craft on some super impressive objectives, from freeing El Cap's Golden Gate route in a day to accomplishing the Yosemite Triple Crown, and just recently being only the sixth human to free the stunning and challenging Yosemite test piece, Wet Lycra Nightmare. He has dialed in those big wall tactics. He has given dozens, maybe hundreds of clinics on multi-pitch climbing through the American Alpine Club and Arcteryx Academies, and today... He shares it all with you, the struggle listener. On longer objectives like multi-pitch and big wall climbs, tactics are often the difference maker on having an enjoyable time that ends in a top-out versus bailing or epicking. Now, whether you're new to the style of climbing or a pro like Jordan, you're going to gain a ton from this pro clinic as he breaks it down into beginner, intermediate, and advanced chapters, covering common pitfalls and offering up actionable beta to take your multi-pitch climbing to the next level. I'm so psyched for this one. Now, quick note here, Jordan and I actually recorded this before he sent Wet Lycra Nightmare, and as you'll hear at the start of our chat, he recaps the non-send of that route and what that taught him, which I think is actually really cool. But fortunately, there was a happy ending on that one, and you can see his inspiring IG posts for the full stoke on that amazing route. This Pro Clinic's brought to you by patrons and subscribers of the show. Thank you all so much. You get access to this full episode, as well as the entire catalog of Pro Clinics by amazing pros, early and ad-free episodes, and tons, tons more. None of this would be possible without you. Thank you all for your support. Now, if you're not a patron, enjoy this free preview of this chat with Jordan. And if you'd like to hear more, pop on over to patreon.com slash the struggle climbing show to check out all of the perks. Or if you're listening on Apple, you can subscribe with just the tap of a button right there in your podcast player. Thank you. I love you. All right, let's get ready to go big with Jordan Cannon. What are you munching on? Some peanut butter pretzels. Yeah. Oh, dude. Totally my jam. What are you slurping uh, on? What? In my uh, limited edition struggle can koozie? I finally got mine, by the way. Sparkling water. Oh, good. Do you pick up your mail every uh, season at the Honold residence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it very late. Or did they bring it to the valley? Did they bring they, like a big mailbag for you? Yeah, to they valley? brought it to the valley, actually. Well, um, man, it's great to connect. How are you? What's what's cracking? Not much. I'm getting ready to drive to LA, and I am. That's why I decided to take this call here. Where are you? Are you in the valley? I'm in. Yeah, I'm in my friend's uh, son's 
uh, bedroom <laughs> recording this because there's a desk and uh, better Wi-Fi and hopefully quieter. My van's parked outside. That sounds great, actually. But then. I don't get as good of service out there. Yeah, the audio the audio quality is good. What do you got? You got notes? I wrote some notes down. Oh, man. Fantastic. Well, good. I know we're in good hands already. Um, but yeah, dude, before we jump in, let me get an update because last time we talked, I guess last time we hung out, we were rock climbing steep things at Mount Potosi. And I say we in the very general sense. You were rock climbing steep things. Alex was rock climbing steep things. And I was getting my lunch taken by a 12A. But we were together, so I can say we were climbing steep things. And so obviously, um, since then, it's been it's been valley season. So what's been shaking in the valley? Yeah, I mean, I guess the main difference um, since the last time we climbed is that... Uh, I'm a weak um, little trad climber now after having spent the past two and a half months trad climbing mainly in, y in Yosemite. Yeah, I haven't actually left the valley in the past two and a half months even to get gas or food. I've just been fully posted up in here and it's been uh, it's been totally awesome. But I've just about reached my my limit for my psych and my energy for for climbing here. It's also getting really hot, so I'm just starting to to think forward to the future and start yeah, building up the desire to go bouldering and sport climbing summer training mode and get ready for another uh trad climbing season or big wall season in the fall. So, so get strong, get weak, get strong. Yeah, that's basically it. You get strong so you can go to the valley and get weak, but get very like good all day fitness and wear your shoes for a long time and hurt your feet forever. And then uh, you get weak and you get tired and you get not psyched and then you go sport climbing and bouldering and generally feel good about yourself. And I love it. And then you come back. Well, congratulations are in order. Um, El Corazon looked like a totally sick route. Can you just like we could probably talk about it for an hour, but can we talk about it for like three minutes? Maybe just tell me a little bit about what drew you um, to that line and what it took to put it together. And maybe so, some of that can kind of take us through part of the big wall tactics conversation, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically had four free climbing projects in the Valley this season, two of which I was able, um, able to do relatively easily in comparison to the other two, which I was not able to do mainly because of, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, poor conditions and and uh, hot weather, which I do not climb very well in. Um, I'm not Alex Migos and can just like crush in the sun, like baking hot sun and have conditions not matter to me. You're not German enough. No, <laughs> I'm not. I get crippled by, this, by the heat. Um, so you had four objectives, two of which you were able to tackle this season in two um, not. Um, so yeah, what are the highs and the lows there? Well, I mean, the main reason, you know, that I was sport climbing in Vegas and particularly at Mount Potosi this season was really just trying to get accustomed to, uh, to steeper climbing. Um, because all of my goals in the Valley this season or the, the two harder ones were, um, are all really steep, you know, the steepest climbing that Yosemite has to offer uh, um, the first one that I did, it was kind of like a warm up project was called, uh, it's a six pitch route called Mark of the Beast on uh, on Schultz's Ridge, which is the aid line that um, Mason Earl uh, did the first free ascent of from bottom to top back in back in the day. 
Um, and that thing was awesome. The steep climbing in Yosemite is so cool. And, you know, it was a little just short six pitch route, but every pitch packs a punch and it doesn't go into the shade until the afternoon. And so you would basically just get to hang out all morning and then go and try hard in the, in the afternoon and just climbing in shorts and no shirt and the wind up on this like crazy steep, uh, overhanging formation with these wild pitches. Um, that was the first one I did and was happy to put that down just within a week. Uh, within a week of work and then I started working on um, this route called Wet Like a Nightmare on the Leaning Tower which was like my big project that I knew was really gonna push me. Um, you know the hardest routes I've ever single pitch routes I've ever climbed have been 13D and this one this is like my first 13D multi-pitch route and the crux of the route is like right in the middle of the Leaning Tower and the Leaning Tower is the steepest granite wall in North America and this route has like the steepest climbing somebody has to offer consistently. Huh. Um, and it's, it's really stacked. It's got a ton of hard pitches and, um, like surprisingly, I didn't get shut down on the, the crux pitch. I worked on that route for over a month and was even working on a film project on it, which took a little bit more work with, you know, just having more people up there to film, but then having the route, you know, rigged with fixed lines so that they could film and I could rehearse it and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I gave it two attempts and, um, each time I was able to free the 13 D crux pitch in the middle, but then I failed on like the second to last, uh, five thirteen pitch only 13 a at the top, just because it went into the sun and got really hot and I just wasn't able to, wasn't able to do it. So you know, it's a little frustrating when you get shut down, not necessarily because of like your physical strength or fitness, um, when you get shut down by the, by an external factor, you know, but that's, that's a huge part of big wall tactics and a lot of what I'll bring to the table today, I think. But yeah, so after that, after my like second failed attempt, I had these plans to climb El Corazon, which is a free route on, on El Capitan with my, with my, uh, buddy Brent. And we'd been planning this kind of all year and it was on the calendar. Um, he, he kind of comes in the Valley for smash and grab missions rather than kind of posting up for the whole season like I do. So his schedule has to be a little bit more like rigid. And so that kind of came up on the calendar and I was like, ah, I can't, I, I wanted to give another attempt on the leaning tower, but ultimately had to just like change focus and go up on El Cap with Brent. And it turned out to be a really like good change of, uh, change of pace for me, um, compared to what I had been, you know, fully consumed with this other project. And, you know, I was like, a little, had low expectations. I was a little intimidated going into El Corazon because it was, I knew it was going to be a hard route and it has, um, yeah, it would have been the hardest free route I've done in El Cap yet. And yeah, having low expectations and a really good partner and, you know, a huge change of pace climbing this route wall style over seven days versus, you know, trying to do this big, hard free climbing day on the leaning tower was perfect and it, it, it went super smoothly. It helped me build my confidence again because after my last attempt on the tower, I was feeling like a garbage rock climber and wasn't feeling very good about myself. And so it was just fun to revisit like the wall climbing style, which I haven't done in a number of years. Everything that I've done in the previous years has been focused on, um, you know, in a day, in a day stuff. What a season. Yeah. Th well, thanks for sharing. You know, obviously we love the struggle here at the struggle. So if it all came easy, if you were like, I had That's four right. objectives and I flashed them all, then, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be nearly as rewarding, of course. Um, and it wouldn't be 
it wouldn't honor the level at which you climb. You know, it's it's so relatable. What I've really taken away a lot from this show is like, you know, you talk to the best climbers in the world, which you're one, like, I felt like a garbage climber. Like, I feel like a garbage climber sometimes when I go out and I get shut down on my 12B that I'm working on. And like, you know, like we all, it's just, it's all relative. And two, you know, real goes and, and do it all but one move. It actually kind of brings to mind Mark Hudon on, you know, free as can be. Essentially, you do every oh, yeah. friggin' thing except for the one move. Of course, you're going to have a plenty of opportunities to come back and put it down. But, yeah. you know, what is that? Just, um, I want to get into big wall tactics here for a second. But like when, when it comes down to that, when it's like kind of like that one move, that nemesis move, what do you think your plan will be now as you'll have some time to think about it or train for it and you know before you come back yeah it's kind of a frustrating place to be in because it's it's you know essentially the closest you can possibly come to sending and like i said when it comes down to more conditions um than it does fitness you know had i had i gotten there a little bit faster and had i been able to try that pitch in the sun it just wouldn't been it wouldn't have been an issue Right. Or if I had planned to climb the route over two days instead of one big day, I would have freed the route already. Yeah. And and so it's kind of like, I feel like I've done it in a sense, but I also like by the book have not, you know, and, and so you get caught in this weird middle ground where you're like, okay, at the end of the day, I'm climbing to have fun. I'm climbing to grow and I'm climbing to make myself happy. But then we all do kind of like subject ourselves to this game that we all play to like, you know to have our ascents also be, especially in like the professional climber position, like have your ascents be uh, like accepted by your peers. And so like, I can't say I freed the leaning tower or wet like a nightmare on the leaning tower because I didn't do that one move, but like I basically did, you know? <laughs> totally. So it's just weird. It's a weird middle ground to be in, but you know, I'm kind of learning that like each year, you know, climbing just gets harder. Um, as you kind of like continue pushing the struggle, you get closer and closer to like your true limit where, yeah, it doesn't mean you weren't, I wasn't trying hard in the past, but like the projects that I had were a lot more like certain. And this was the first big project that I went on and up on truly not knowing whether I was going to even be able to do the crux. That was kind of like how I first approached it. I was like, I'm just going to go try the crux pitch because it doesn't matter if I can do all the other 513s on the route if I can't do the crux. So just like focus in on that and see yeah. if I can do it. And if not, figure out what I got to do to come back. And so, yeah, so my, I guess my kind of tactic with that is uh, obviously being stronger and having a little bit more fitness could help me be able to knock out the pitches in quicker succession and maybe not need as much rest in between. I mean, the route goes from like 12C to 13A to 12D to 13D to 13A to 13A to 13A. And like, that's a... Cool pretty stacked day and unfortunately like if i was if i was you know more boss like the the few the three other people or four other people who have done the route i would be able to do that but i'm not alex honnold and i can't just fire off you know 513 after 513 without much rest in between so um my strategy really is just to wait <laughs> wait until the this the fall uh when it's cooler and the route gets no sun of course the days are a little bit shorter but you know Overall, I think it'll be much, uh, much more conducive to like the conditions I thrive in. Well, it's super exciting. Yeah. Thanks for for just giving us a little peek into that. And and you you also have done such a good job on your Instagram 
sharing like your journey on El Corazon in particular, you had like just a great series of stories and videos. And um, for those of us who aren't regular big wall climbers or maybe are just aspiring to be and have never even done multi-pitch at all, like it's such a cool window into your world. And so I'm grateful for your time today um, to, to dive in and kind of geek out here a little bit on big wall tactics from someone who is just at the absolute top of their game uh, in in that department. Maybe you could just set the stage in kind of through your lens, what, what tactics even means, what like big wall tactics means to you and like just why is it so important? Yeah, well, I, th- I was thinking about that in preparation for this interview. And I think the first thing that needs to be defined is like is what big wall climbing actually is. Sure. Um, because I haven't actually taught big wall clinics before. I've only taught multi-pitch efficiency clinics, uh-huh. which, you know, I think kind of the, the step beyond that is you're just multi-pitch climbing, but spending the night also is kind of the difference between, you know, multi-pitch efficiency is kind of the foundation of big wall climbing. But, um, you know, I think depending on who you're talking to, big wall might have a, a different definition but i think in general it just means anything that you have to spend more than one day to climb would you agree is that mainly what what you're uh, talking you're about you're asking the wrong guy i mean i i hope not because because well, because the the biggest climb i've done was epinephrine uh there in vegas and i've i i would love to say that that was a big wall climb but i didn't spend the night i think i was out there for 18 hours but uh but yeah that's an interesting i mean it certainly sounds like a clean definition to me and and i guess to each their own but maybe I should broaden the definition of this pro clinic to multi-pitch tactics as well as big wall tactics, you know, something like that, because I think that I'm sure a yeah. lot of the efficiencies and, and strategies probably cross over between the two. It's just that maybe you don't have to hang a portal edge on one of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I've got I've got lots to share about both, because if you look at kind of the, the grading systems that these routes are given, you know, epinephrine, I think, is um, probably a grade four. I'm not... I'm not sure. At most, it would be a grade five, but it's probably a grade four. Are you familiar with kind of like the grades that roots are given to kind of define the commitment level? Okay, this is kind of the first step to understanding like multi-pitch climbing and big wall climbing. Great. Um, Yeah, the the grade attached to the root, um, you know, it could be like Astroman is 511C grade five versus the rostrum, you know, it's kind of like similar counterpart um, in terms of difficulty in Yosemite and classicness um, is 511C grade four. And that's a huge difference in terms of the overall effort and commitment it takes to climb um, each of those routes. And if you've climbed both of them, you know the Astroman is a lot harder. Um, and the reason it gets that grade five is because it has a longer approach, has a longer descent, it has more pitches of 511 on it, it has more pitches overall. And so even though it's given the same free climbing grade that we all pay attention to, 511C, it actually ends up being a lot harder than the rostrum, which you park on top of, you rappel into, you can easily bail halfway if needed. Um, It only has, you know, like two pitches of 511 and, and yeah, it's just overall much, much easier. Um, So yeah, that that grade that grade defines the overall level of commitment but grade 5 is kind of the blurry line between 
like in the past, it used to be, um, we used to <clears throat> categorize climbs that take uh, a day to a day and a half. Um, you know, something you might spend one night on, or maybe you bivy at the base or you bivy at the top, you know, that would like generally define a grade five. Um, and then grade six, which is, you know, El Cap, Half Dome, the Leaning Tower, anything that people climb over multi-day. So grade six is basically the biggest um, in Yosemite that there is to offer, you know, all the way down to like grade one, which would be like going to climb the manure pile buttress, you know, the nutcracker or something. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's super interesting. I have no idea why I never even heard of that, but thank you. I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, yeah, Ryan. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I like to call the, like the, the grade, the big grade fours or the grade fives, you know, that aren't quite like grade six, you know, big walls. I just like to call those mini big walls because they, oh, they like are, that. it's a big freaking wall. It's a huge formation, but you know, mini big wall, mini big wall. I like that. I like, like to climb. I climb a lot. I climb a lot of mini big walls. Yeah, that's great. And, and, and obviously even in those scenarios, um, tactics become incredibly important because you could be on a mini big wall for six hours or you could be on it for 12 hours depending on how well you put the thing together right or, or kind of what your systems are like and so mm -hmm. just yeah like in that general sense now that i have a good understanding of kind of what a big wall is um and i think for discussion purposes here we can think about many big walls and big walls kind of in in like a, a similar bucket essentially you know many pitches right and yeah and so then kind of through that lens just real big picture. What 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 do tactics mean in that sense, and and why can it be so important? So tactics are so important for any multi pitch or big wall climbing um, because there's so many other factors to consider when you compare it to bouldering or sport climbing, which you know in in comparison are just are such so much simpler you know there's a lot less going on especially bouldering bouldering is the simplest because you're just focused on the pure movement and the difficulty and then sport climbing gets a little bit more complicated because you have you have a rope and you have gear and you have lengths of pitches and things like that um but then you know multi-pitch climbing and big wall climbing you're just adding in extra layers and so the more layers of things and on complications you add on top of the actual climbing, the more important big wall tactics are going to be. And, and I think that's what deter deters a lot of people at first is that, you know, they're lacking the skills to multi-pitch or big wall climb efficiently um, and effectively. Uh, they're not able to have as much fun with the climbing because they're having to think and deal with all of these other things that they're maybe not used to at the sport crag or at the gym or, or bouldering. Um, but personally, that's why I like it. I love the like added challenge of managing all of these other systems and things and conditions and partners and all just all this stuff that you have to um, that that, you know, makes the climbing harder. But when you're able to also climb hard and deal with all those things, especially like six days into a big wall and like keep sending like and you're just dialed and you're just doing it right. That is the coolest thing um, to me. It sounds um, yeah, it sounds simultaneously super cool and rewarding and also um, like pretty grueling. You know, it's like one of those things where 
you look at the photo of you on the side of, you know, L Cap going up like Golden Gate or, or Free Rider or something like that. And like the photos are stunning, you know, and it's just like, oh God, they're having coffee in the Portal Edge, like the coolest Airbnb in the world. And then, you know, you see not as often, but you've been good, like day seven at the top and you've somehow impossibly got like 400 pounds of gear like precariously balanced on your back you look like a pack mule you know and it's like so many ropes and haul bags and poop bags and like you know it's like so much and i don't know like there's a little bit of dissonance i think you know when you were first getting into it did it surprise you you know going from kind of like the dream being like i want to climb el cap it looks so cool and romantic to like the reality where it's just like spending hour after hour trying to get a haul bag unstuck from the lip of a thing you know <laughs> like it... no that's a great point to bring up is because it is so much it is a, so much more work and so much more difficult than than a photo gives it credit for and I climbed a route on Middle Cathedral over over five days just a few days ago, and um, we mentioned my my story for um, El Corazon recently, and I did get a lot of positive feedback on that on that story. Where when I originally started posting it, I was like, "Man, nobody's gonna care about all of this like big wall details and stuff." You know, I like sharing multi pitch climbing stuff because a lot of people just don't do that, and that was kind of my first time sharing like the ins and outs of of a multi-day big wall free ascent um, particularly and so you know going up on this next wall a few weeks afterwards i was like okay i'm gonna really try and like uh you know take more photos and videos and based on things that i know that people are interested in now you know relative to the questions they asked me um and after el corazon and things um but then there's a thing that happens that i that i noticed afterwards is like we kind of epicked on day one. We didn't start early enough. We got caught in the in the sun. It ended up kind of being like a grueling day getting to camp and getting set up. And generally when things start going poorly on a bad wall, big wall, you stop filming. You stop taking photos because you're just like, that's the last thing on your mind. You're just like focused on dealing. Right. And so afterwards, I was trying to like show... I was like, man, I want to do a better job of showing the ways in which that big wall climbing is a lot of work and it does suck sometimes. And even when you, you know, plan perfectly, like things just don't always play out the way that you think they're going to. And, you know, I was kind of paralleling it to um, the van life, like glamour shots you see on Instagram that get so popularized it just makes it look like everybody's just like waking up with an amazing view and their like beautiful girlfriend is like making them coffee while they're hanging out in bed like looking at the stars <laughs> or whatever and you're just like that just never happened no don't that just never happens. don't burst and this so, bubble for me jordan this is my this is my bubble i need this bubble oh i'm so upset i was i was like in the portal I, you see like glamour portal edge shots especially like Tommy Caldwell and Kevin on the Dawn Wall where they each had like their own portal edge. You know, and you see them just like hanging out in there and just like stretching and like enjoying the view. And, you know, I was in this like cramped portal edge with my partner just like trying to put my like shirt on and there's all these straps like hanging in my face and I'm like so cramped and I'm like, this is not the glamorous like big wall portal edge life that people think <laughs> exists. So, but from that, I'm sure. So, yeah, to to the to the point. I think it's even if you know going into 
going into it that multi-pitch climbing and big wall climbing is going to be a lot more work than any other kinds of climbing, I guess, like short of, you know, mountaineering or like expeditions. Um, it still comes as a bit of a shock when you actually do it and you're like, oh man, this is like a lot more than I expected even still. Yeah, but it's, it's not for the faint, it's not for the faint of heart. It's certainly like blue collar, blue collar climbing. Um, but I love combining the blue collar aspects of multi-pitch and big wall climbing with like also hard performance free climbing because that's when like you really have to do things well. I really dig it too personally. I appreciate you sharing that perspective. And of course, I've, I haven't experienced it like you have. I've never, you know, spent a night on a wall. But, you know, when I learned climbing, it was out in like talk heats and the needles and Joshua Tree. And so there's four or five pitches, seven, ten pitches, you know, kind of in that in that world. And of course, we're mostly talking about trad climbing here. And that already brings its own level of problem solving, you know, building out the rack and placing gear and making sure that you're working efficiently and all the things that, you know, that that we'll probably dive into here in, in just a minute. But then you also have the other elements of it, um, like you're talking about where it's it's hauling or setting up camp or planning your day properly to avoid the sun. And so, yeah, I, I dig that. Maybe it's because I'm not a super hard climber. And so I kind of like the chess game added in because so it's not just like my fingers versus the rock, but it's also my brain versus the rock, which like I feel like, you know, can give me a little bit more um, excitement that doesn't require just like genetic ability. And so I'm I'm drawn to it for that regard. And and like, you know, I epinephrine's the hardest thing I've done. And I think that goes five nine or something. You know, it's not like I'm climbing super hard stuff, but it's all relative. And so, yeah, that head game, I think is, is, um, or the mental aspect of it is really interesting. And is that where, like, is that what has drawn you most to it? Yeah. I mean, man, there's so many things that appeal or draw me to big wall climbing and multi-pitch climbing. I mean, the main thing is just, uh, the volume. I just like, I like having big days. I like waking up early climbing all day you know, on some epic formation with amazing views and then having, you know, a big descent and just coming down like totally crushed and, you know, just chowing down some food and going to bed. And that's just a multi-pitch day. You know, when you do that six days in a row on El Capitan, um, you know, waking up on the wall. I mean, it's just so much more rewarding, I think. And there's so many other things um, that you have to master to do it well, you know, you can't just be a good rock climber and you can't just be a good big wall climber. You have to be a combination of the two. And in regards to like multi-day big wall climbing, I love the simplicity of it. You know, when you wake up on your portal edge on day two, you're no, there's no question about like what you're doing that day. You're like, you're like, we're climbing. <laughs> like the rope is right in front of us. The pitch is right here. You don't have to worry about an approach or descent. You don't have to, you have all the food and water that you need. You know, you don't have to worry about going to the grocery store or getting gas or dealing with parking. It's just like, nope, we're just waking up. We're going rock climbing. When we're done rock climbing, we're going to go to bed and we're going to wake up and go rock climbing again tomorrow. It's just like, it's, it's pretty simple, you know? I love it. It's so exciting. It's just the most romantic kind of purest form in, in, in my mind. And I know for other people, that's that's other things. You know, it could be free soloing or it could be bouldering or whatever, because like you just don't have anything on. But like just something about 
essentially like taking up residence on the side of a vertical piece of rock is just so rad. Um, so yeah, let's dive in, man. Let's let's talk. I think we can kind of break this into beginner, intermediate, and advanced with regard to uh, multi-pitch and big wall tactics and systems. Is there kind of in general something that you see that most people struggle with or or it's a challenge as they're just thematically for for big wall tactics um or is it is it pretty focused on like ability or uh, size of project i think like in the big wall multi-pitch world a beginner could like best be defined by somebody who has uh trad climbed before you know single pitch um but maybe is you know on their first to 10th you know, multi-pitch route or something. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I think that's what I would categorize categorize as a beginner. And um, the thing that I see by by those groups, of, right, by those climbers, um, which also relates to beginner boulders or sport climbers, whatever, is just bringing too much stuff. Hmm. You know, when you're the beginner in any discipline in climbing, I think, you know, you are fascinated by all this new gear and you like don't really know how it works yet or when you're going to use it, but you think you're supposed to have it. And so you're just going to bring it all, you know, and, um, that generally isn't as big of a deal when you're at the boulders or at the sport crag, cause you're on the ground and you can always go back to your car or whatever. Um, but when you're on a multi-pitch route and especially a big wall, you know, the more stuff you bring, the more stuff you have to deal with, the more weight you have to carry, um, it all it all adds up and so bringing too much stuff can create a big a big pitfall for a lot of a lot of beginner multi-pitch climbers yeah that's interesting and what first of all that kind of makes sense where you're like i just want to have everything because i want to feel like i'm safe but it's then it's to your point it's it's kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy where where now it's like that stuff is dragging you down or making it harder to to climb um is there something that you see common is it like too much protection you know like are they just like weighed down by like all sorts of cams that they don't need or is it a toaster oven like what are they bringing up these climbs that they don't need i don't want to be the one to say you know pick out a climber and be like you don't need all this stuff because you know everybody has their own style or level of comfort in which they they want to climb so sure Oftentimes, I think backpacks are unnecessary. Uh, so you see a lot of beginner climbers climbing with backpacks. Um, and if you look at all, you know, most of the advanced climbers, a lot of them are climbing with backpacks. And there's a time and a place for for both, I think, that we can talk about. But yeah, people bringing a lot of gear, people bringing, but like protection isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like you want to have enough protection, but there is a point where, you know, I've seen people going up on a multi-pitch route that like doesn't have a crack on it bigger than a number one and they have like a double or triple rack up to like number six and you're just like you're just there's just you physically can't place all that big of gear you know so that that just comes down to like poor interpretation of like the guidebook or the suggested rack for the route that they're trying but then you know just like tons of lockers tons of uh tons of cordelette and slings and you know, huge, like bulky water bottles, like that kind of stuff, you know, it all, it all adds up. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So then what, what would be your tip on that for, for beginners to try to right size their, 
gear for a climb. You mentioned, um, like in the guidebook, it's gonna it's gonna suggest a rack. So essentially, paying attention to that, um, I guess. Uh, you know, what else? How does one hone in on kind of the proper level? Yeah, I guess this is kind of applicable to beginner, intermediate, and advanced climbers. This is something I do with myself all the time because you never arrive at like the at the place of like a the perfect amount of gear that you know to bring every time you go rock climbing. Um, you know, you do your best uh, based on the route you're climbing and the weather and the plans, how long you plan on being out and all these things. But, you know, I guess the first thing I tell to beginner climbers is to, you know, make a note of the things that they brought and pay attention to what they use throughout the day and then reflect back on like, oh, we brought all of these extra all these extra lockers but we didn't end up using any of them or you know we brought just you know reflecting back on what they used and what they didn't use and then question whether or not they need it the next time you know um and that can kind of help slim down because if you're not really thinking about it you can end up just bringing way more than you actually need you don't question whether or not it was actually like worth bringing you know by the way i love that for life like it's just that's just a good that's just like a good life lesson honestly like every time my family takes a vacation we got two kids as you know and every time we take a vacation it's like we pack all the everything i mean you know it's like seven bathing suits and we're going to a place where there isn't a pool (laughs) and so you know we get back after a vacation and I am kind of like that type a like a little ocd guy and i'll pull out the list and i'll be like didn't use this didn't use this didn't use this and, you know, maybe we can save 50 bucks on Spirit Airlines next time because we don't need that extra suitcase. So multiplying that to the point where, like, you literally are having to haul this stuff up a wall, um, I can see how important that would be. And so in that sense, you're saying it's just it comes with experience, right? You know, I play that game to the extreme because I, I'm trying to push it a little bit more sometimes. Um And, you know, there's a big difference between when I'm trying to like push it on a fast and light ascent of like, you know, El Cap in a day versus like climbing a casual multi-pitch with my friend, you know, where it maybe doesn't necessarily matter as much. But there have been times where I've, I've like gone way light and, you know, chosen not to bring certain things because I was like, oh, I didn't use that last time, like not going to need it. But then you know, you get yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, now it's dark and I'm cold and I don't have enough food and water and this sucks, you know? Right. So yeah, that's what I mean. It's not like it's, you never like fully have it figured out. You're gonna still make mistakes and, and then, you know, learn from that experience, be like, oh, okay, next time I'm definitely bringing another headlamp or something like that, right. you know? Yeah, that's great, man. I love, I, so, I love the, that, that reflective planning aspect of it. So Anything else with beginners, any other kind of common pitfalls or or challenges that you see beginners experience when they're getting into those bigger climbs? Yeah, I guess generally speaking, just not having a very uh, specific plan that they've maybe thought out or communicated with their partner. And that's generally just because there's so many other things going on that I think it's just, you know, a lot for a beginner climber to like think about. But, you know, having a plan with your partner before going into into a multi-pitch route, like, okay, who's going to lead what pitches, you know, who's carrying what gear, um, 
you know, how are we going to communicate at the end of each pitch? How are we going to transition at the blaze for each pitch? You know, what are we going to do when we get to the top? Are we going to repel or are we going to hike down? And that wraps up your free preview of this pro clinic with Jordan Cannon. There's another 33 minutes of expert tips and tricks for intermediate and advanced big wall and multi-pitch climbing, y'all. And then Jordan brings it all the way back around with some really fantastic beta that applies to all levels, including the number one tip that he feels is make or break when it comes to longer climbs. And I'm not talking about pooping on the wall here, but we do talk about that. So, hey, that's another reason to subscribe and listen to this full episode. Y'all, I'm really sorry to cut it off here like I did. You probably think that I'm a huge jerk, but this is one of the ways that I cover my expenses for doing this podcast most of which is content that I offer up free to the community. So I hope you can understand and appreciate that. If you want to join and get full access to this show and all of the other patron and subscriber content I put out, you can cancel anytime. No worries. So if you would like to go to climb school with the likes of Jordan, Jonathan Segrist, Fabia Dubik, Drew Mack, uh, Ravioli Biceps, and so many more, pop on over to patreon.com slash the struggle climbing show. Or if you listen in Apple, you can subscribe right there in your podcast player. Now, if you want to see some of Jordan's amazing big wall adventures, you can follow him on IG. You probably already are at Canon JTC. And also so cool. Y'all, if you're listening to this before the end of June, 2023, then you can take a big wall clinic with the man himself out in Chamonix, France. Pop by Arcteryx Academy to learn more about that and sign up. You get to spend the night in a portal edge on the wall with Jordan. How sick is that? And if France isn't in your cards, Jordan does climb clinics really often, actually around the States and other areas. So keep track of his socials and find one that works for you. All right, that clips the anchors on this one. Thank you all so, so much for listening and for supporting if you can. we got more regular episodes coming your way as well as pro clinics and other bonus content. So stay tuned. And until then, let's try hard. And remember, the struggle makes us stronger. Stronger.